And we now return to that portion we read in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 20. We're looking at these verses 19 to 26, but we might want to choose verse 25 as our text, the words of the Lord Jesus that he said to those spies that were sent out by the chief priests and the scribes in order that they might trap him. And this is what he said to them. He said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And the title for our meditation tonight is A Political Question. This is the result of a political question that was presented to the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we looked at the, the parable of the husbandmen. And we notice there that the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking directly, first of all, to uh, the Jewish nation. And in verse 19 tells us, And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. They may well in one real way be dead in trespasses and sins. But they understood this parable and they understood that Jesus was aiming and directing this parable at them and their behavior because they wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Well tonight we want to look at the, the section that follows because these chief priests and the scribes, uh, they sent forth spies. We're told they, and they watched him and sent forth spies which should feign themselves just men that they might take hold of his words that so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. Well, to introduce this subject, we want to ask ourselves just one or two brief questions. For instance, our text says that we're to render unto Caesar who is Caesar? Who is Caesar? Well, at the time when Jesus uttered these words, he was the ruler of the vast Roman Empire. And part of that empire was that he ruled over the Jews. They had conquered the Jews and Caesar ruled over the Jews where Jesus was. Who was the, the Caesar at the time of Christ? Well, Luke chapter 2 verse 1 tells us when Christ was born, he was born during the reign of Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 tells us that. But during the time of Christ's public ministry, the time we're at here in Luke's gospel, when Christ preached and when he was crucified, it was during the reign of Caesar Tiberius. Luke chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that. And under Caesar, as far as uh, 
Judea was concerned, it was the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And therefore, when we answer this question, who is Caesar? Caesar is just simply the person who rules over a people in a certain territory. In other words, for ourselves here this, this evening, it is the government in all its various forms. We have the, the Westminster government. We have the Scottish government. Here in Glasgow, we have Glasgow City Council. As we look at these respective governments, they, they have rule and dominion over us as citizens. And therefore, as far as we are concerned, they represent Caesar. It's all those who have authority over us. Now, when we look at this subject here, we must remind ourselves and acquaint ourselves with the facts and the state of Israel at this time and of the rulers that ruled over them. The rulers were not ideal. Caesars were not noted to be gracious individuals. They were cruel. They were ruthless. They were bloodthirsty. They cared little for religion. They thought nothing of these things. They certainly thought nothing of the Jews and Judaism. They would have none of the worship of Jehovah. They tolerated it, yes, and recognized it. That's true, but they were not sympathetic towards it. They simply put up with it. And they really didn't care about the people at all that they ruled over. And therefore, it's true to say, without being criticized about it, that the people of Israel would loathe these rulers. Yet, they were the ones, under the providence of God, who were their rulers and their government. Well, we want to look at this incident here where these spies come and they seek to trap the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wanted ultimately to be able to go back to the Roman governor and say something negative about Christ in order that the, gover the governor would take action against him. We are told this in verse 20, so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. Well, the first thing we want to notice is we have their preamble. We find this in verse 21, and it is a very nice preamble. They asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. They were really being insincere here. The things that they said, of course, were true, but they did not really like this about the Lord Jesus Christ. They were trying to butter him up, we might say. They wanted to catch him out. And the first step to try and catch someone out is to get on their good side. 
and for someone to drop their defense and to open their ear to what they want to say. And one way of achieving that is to come and to speak nice things to them. This is what we find here. And it's important that we are ones who are beware of people who will come to us and say the right things to us. And then maybe they'll ask us questions in order to catch us out. The Lord Jesus knew this. But this is what the, the way that they would go towards him in order that they might be able to win him over and that they might get a, a favorable answer from him. Surely the second thing we would notice is the question itself in verse 22. A very simple question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? Now that could easily be translated because this is what it means. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And bear in mind what I said earlier that Caesar and the Roman Empire and the Roman governor, they were not godly people. They had no real sympathy for, for the worship of God or for the Jews, and they didn't really care about the people. And therefore, the argument could sh surely be put forth by the Jews. Are we going to uphold a government and a person who has no time for us and who's sim simply serving the empire and serving his own ends? That's really what the question means. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Or we might say it in another way. Are not God's people exempt from paying such a tax to a foreign power? You can see what they're getting at. Is it right that God's people, God's chosen people, who have been brought into the promised land, but who are under the dominion and authority of our foreign ruler who's far from perfect, should we be paying taxes to this individual in order that he might expand the empire or in order that he might carry out cruelties? Are we going to feather his nest with our hard-earned money? Is it not right for us to withhold taxes from such an administration as this is? This is really the root of the question when it says, is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? Christ was truly in a bit of a predicament, we might say. It would seem in the face of it, there's no way to get out of this. How is he going to answer this? If Christ's answer was to favor the Romans, well, the people they would be utterly disappointed with him. If he was to say, oh yes, you must pay taxes to Caesar without qualification, this would not go down well with the, with the ordinary people who loathed the Romans and their rule over him. And as we've indicated in the introduction, if, he was to, if his answer was anti-Roman, if it was to say, oh no, you shouldn't be paying uh, taxes to the Romans. It's not lawful for God's people to uphold and help a, a godless, an idolatrous regime. 
the people here would certainly report him to the authorities. And he would have to face Pilate with a charge of sedition or something like that. So that was a question that was laid before the Lord Jesus Christ. And it does seem on the face of it, on the surface, uh, it was a very, very difficult question to answer. They had, they thought they had, I should say, they thought they had caught him out. We want to notice next then, in verse 24, Christ's preamble. Christ's preamble. Before he answers, he says, show me a penny. Show me a penny. Now the word here, penny, is denarius. It's a Roman coin. Now a penny was a a day's wage for a, a laborer. But it was a Roman coin. The denariuses were made for the emperor and they were specially made at the imperial mint in a place called Lyons. And they were officially the emperor's or Caesar's property. The Jews had to use this currency for paying their poll tax for once a year. And they used it for all commercial activities in their day-to-day life. They used the emperor's coins. And according to what I've read, this denarius, specially produced for the emperor, which was his property, (coughs) it had the bust of Tiberius decked with a, a laurel wreath on it with the inscription, well, the laurel wreath is the sign of his divinity. And remember that the Romans regarded their Caesars to be divine. And on the coin was an inscription, quote, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of divine Augustus. (coughs) So this is the coin that Jesus asks them to show him. If they were at all concerned about paying taxes to Caesar, you would expect their answer to be, well, we don't have this coin. We don't use it. But we notice here, show me a penny. The implication is they showed him a penny. Jesus says, whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. Here you are then, using Caesar's currency, benefiting from whatever Caesar brings to the locality, to the nation, his laws, his stability, his army, his commerce, you are very happy to carry out your commercial affairs using Caesar's coin. And therefore, the implication is you should be happy to pay 
Caesar's taxes. This is what they found extremely difficult. And the answer we have here is, in verse 25, And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's. You're using his coin. You're benefiting from his government. Therefore, you are required to render unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's. What were they to give to Caesar? Well, exactly the same things as we are to give to our government. And to those who rule and govern over us. The Bible speaks about this. In Exodus, for instance, chapter 22, at verse 28, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Now when it talks here about gods, it's not talking about a god to worship. There are no other gods but the one true and the living God. When it says, thou shalt not revile the gods, it's talking about magistrates and those who rule over them. Nor curse the ruler of thy people. In other words, they were to give reverence and respect to Caesar. As the people in Moses' day had to give reverence and respect to those who ruled over them. And that has not changed for us today. We have, some might say, and we might not necessarily agree with them or disagree with them. We have many rulers. We have rulers in Westminster. We have rulers in Holyrood. We have local government. One might argue that we are overruled. But nevertheless, the Bible would teach us that we are to give reverence and respect unto those rulers who ultimately have been appointed by God. No matter how ungodly these rulers may be, and how much we might not, not agree with their political maneuverings and stances, nevertheless, as long as they do not pass laws that are contrary to the word of God, we are to obey them. In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, the wisest apart from Christ that ever lived, says, Curse not the king, know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. A very profound verse, but surely we can detect from it and detract from it. Curse not the king. Curse not those who rule over us. And that is something we have to take on board. In this day when everyone has their own opinion about this ruler and about that ruler, we are so inclined to curse. We're so inclined to ridicule and to run them down. 
curse not the king. That's why we read earlier from 1 Timothy. What does 1 Timothy tell us to do? Here in that passage we read from 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy how he is to conduct public worship. What we are doing here, he's giving instructions to the young pastor that he might conduct public worship in a way that's appropriate. And he says, let me remind you, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. All kinds of men. We are to pray, friends, for all kinds of men. No matter who they are or what they are, we are to pray for them. And he goes on. For kings and for all that are in authority. This is what we are to do. We're so inclined to look at our leaders, look at our governments, and yes, we admit and acknowledge that they do disappoint us. And very often there's very little godliness in Westminster or Holyrood or indeed in our city centre where they rule the affairs of the Glasgow City Council. But nevertheless, we are to pray for them. That's what God has told us in his word. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It goes on, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. Do we not serve God? Yes, we have leaders who we may not be proud of, who we may well not agree with. And on occasions they will pass things that are unlawful for Christians and therefore we must stand up against that. But nevertheless, ultimately, we are to pray for these people. Why? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. We look to God. We look to the triune God, we look to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we do what God tells us. This is what we're to do, and we are to pray for them. They will give account, of course, and those who have authority, with that authority comes temptation, comes privilege, comes up opportunities, they will give account. They'll not give account to you or to me. They'll give account to God because God has put them where they are. Now this might be a mystery to us. It might confound us. It might startle us. But our God is sovereign and our God can use even wicked rulers to further his cause and his kingdom. It is not all lost when the ungodly and those who are unprincipled and those who think little of Christianity, when they rule, it's not all lost. 
God is still on the throne. The Lord doth reign. And therefore, we are to give them honor, reverence, respect, pray for them. Peter says in an epistle we looked at not that long ago, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, honor the king, honor Caesar, honor our rulers. But we've only looked at half the answer. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's. Give them reverence. Give them respect. Pay our taxes. That's what he's saying to them. As we must do also. But you know friends. It is the second part of this answer that has really caught them out. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And unto God the things which be God's. You have a duty to give to Caesar, but you have a greater duty to give to God. What are we to give to God? Well, there are one or two verses in Deuteronomy that sum up simply what we are to give to our God. Deuteronomy verse ten, chapter 10 Verses 12 to 14. Read this. And now Israel. What doth the Lord thy God require of thee. But to fear the Lord thy God. To walk in all his ways. And to love him. And to serve the Lord thy God. With all thy heart. And with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord. And his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also, and all that therein is. If we can absorb what we find in these three verses, we will realize that when Jesus said to them, and unto God the things which be God's, here is something, a duty, a requirement that has been pressed upon them and upon us this evening. It is beyond us. We can never possibly give to God what he truly deserves. We can never give him the reverence and the respect and the obedience and the love that is required. It is beyond us. It is relatively easy to give to Caesar what belongs unto Caesar. But what God requires, what doth the Lord thy God requireth thee but to fear the Lord thy God? Oh, ask ourselves tonight, here we are. Do we fear the Lord our God? Not that we run away from him. We're not saying that for one moment. But do we have the reverence and the respect that we should have to the Lord our God? And to walk in all his ways, do we do this? This is what's required of us. Do we not choose the ways that are most pleasing to us? 
Do we not look at his commandments and do we not say, well, yes, I'll do this, but this other one, oh no, it's too much. We might not be guilty of idolatry. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We come to an orthodox church. We are under an orthodox ministry. We read the word of God. We don't worship stalks and stones. But do we honor our mother and father? Do we keep all the commandments? Thou shalt not kill. Have we got a bad word for someone without a cause? Have we hate in our heart towards a brother or a sister or someone without a cause? That, my friends, is murder in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ as he teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, none of us has committed adultery physically, have we? But we can commit adultery with our eyes. We can look at things inappropriately. Are we not guilty? But to fear the Lord and to walk in all his ways. Do we tell the truth always? We want people to tell the truth to us. Are we always truthful? Thou shalt not covet. Do we have a coveting spirit? Do we want more and more? Are we not satisfied? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And so on. In all his ways. And to love him. Oh do we love the Lord our God. Adam and Eve we noticed this morning. What was their problem? They didn't love the Lord their God. They were prepared to listen to an imposter. To a deceiver. If they truly loved the Lord their God. They would have obeyed him. Do the words of Jesus Christ then not cut into our hearts? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do we serve the Lord? Do we find his service binding, tiresome, irksome? This is what he says here. With all thy heart. Are we wholehearted in our service of the Lord our God with all thy soul? Render unto God the things which be God's. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. We've only touched at these verses. But if we were to meditate upon these verses, if we were to look at our lives, we would have to conclude that we have never given to God what he deserves.
Friends, but one has, one has, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given to Caesar what, rent, what, what is required of Caesar. And he's also given to God the things which belong unto God. He's lived a perfect life. He served the Lord his God perfectly all his days upon this earth. There never was a moment, there never was a second when he did not love the Lord his God. There was never a time when he was not obedient unto the Lord his God. He is the only one that has truly fulfilled this. He tells them to render unto God the things which be God's, and they could never do it. Do you know why? Here we find here, they held their peace. They held their peace. Jesus turned the question upon them, and he exposed the shallowness of them. They could never give to God what God requires of them. Well, we're happy to tell you tonight that one has the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are to come to him. You are to call upon his name. You are to look to him to save you. You are to look to this one. You are to call upon the blessed Son of God, the one who only ever gave to God what he deserves. Perfect love, perfect obedience, perfect devotion. He gave God what truly belonged unto him. And this was what you must do. You must avail yourselves of that God-appointed Savior. The one who has done all things well. Who gives to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And who gives to God what belongs unto God. Come therefore. Embrace him. Call upon him. And may the Lord be pleased to bless his word to you this evening. Let us pray together.